Beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. James chapter 1 and verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. That's enough for a good sermon, isn't it? That one verse. I'm going to read to you a different translation, a new living translation. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Imagine if everyone practiced that verse. Our world would be a better place, wouldn't it? Our homes would be more peaceful. Our schools would be more harmonious. Our places of work would be transformed. And even our churches would be totally different places if we were quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. But you know, listening is a tough chore. At times, is it not? It's tough to listen sometimes. And sometimes it's understandable why it's tough to listen. I ran across this some time ago. Anybody here a country music fan? Yeah, I grew up listening to country music, and that's what it was real country music. But anyway, uh, you know, George Strait and love the Statler Brothers and all those. But I ran across a, a list some years ago of the worst country music songs. And I wanted to share some titles with you. How Can I Miss You If You Won't Go Away? You're the reason our kids are so ugly. This is a real blessing here. I've been flushed from the bathroom of your heart. 
I've got the hungries for your love, and I'm waiting in your welfare line. I don't know the story behind this song. I wouldn't take her to a dog fight because I'm afraid she'd win. <laughs> and finally, for our John Deere folks here, you'll enjoy this song. You might even want to look it up, see if it's on iTunes. My John Deere was breaking your field while your dear John was breaking my heart. I mean, that's just a real blessing. I don't know if those are real songs or not. I was afraid to check. But my point is this. There are some things that are not worth listening to. In fact, there are some things that be painful to listen to. Uh, but then there are some things we must listen to. But beloved, listening is not enough. To benefit from what we're hearing, we've got to take action. We've got to respond in the appropriate way. And we've got to put things in motion. And in fact, if we listen too long to wrong people or wrong things, um, things that are not true, it can be actually harmful. It can be dangerous. It can even be deadly. Now, this verse 19 doesn't reside all by itself. It sits in relationship to some other verses here. We call it the context of the Scripture. And as you keep reading, we find out what we're supposed to be listening to. And so if you have your copy of God's Word, uh, if you'll look there at uh, James chapter 1, and we're going to begin reading again at verse 19, which we've been talking about already, and then we're going to add to that the rest of the chapter and uh, look at what God says to us today about listening. James chapter 1 Verse 19, James chapter 1, verse 19, you'll read to the end of the chapter. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does." If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now, many teachers of preaching... Uh, they tell you that if you cannot summarize your message in one sentence, you're not ready to preach. Now, I don't always abide by that, but I can clearly articulate uh, today's message in one sentence, and I'm going to give it to you, and then we're going to kind of go back and disassemble it and put it back together. And today's message from this passage is simply this. When it comes to the Word of God, listen, but don't just listen. Live it out in your life. When it comes to the Word of God, listen, but don't just listen. Live it out in your life. Now, I want to go through that sentence, through that statement, and I want to kind of unpack it and show it to you uh, here in the Scripture. We're going to deconstruct it. So when it comes to the Word of God, first of all, we need to listen. That's the very basic starting point when it comes to God's Word. This deals with how we receive the Word of God. It says we're to be quick to listen to the Word. 
Um, in the time in which this was written, back during that day when James was written, you remember that not everybody had a copy of the Bible like we have. In fact, the majority of their scripture that they received was through the means of listening, hearing the word proclaimed, hearing the word read aloud. And so the idea was they had to listen intently so they could remember what the word said so they could go out and practice it in their life. You know, they couldn't make a note on it, about it on their phone. They couldn't request an email be sent later on. They couldn't ask to be tagged in Facebook. They had to depend upon their memory and their listening skills. Uh, now, we would understand today this idea of listening to the word to include all the ways in which we receive the word of God. When we listen to it, when we read it, when we personally study it ourselves, uh, when we hear it proclaimed, that's all encapsulated in this idea of listening to the Word. And so I want to summarize the way we ought to listen today when it comes to the Bible, okay? And when it comes to the Word, but I want you to notice we can receive it, first of all, quietly. Quietly. I was just checking to see if we're doing that. Y'all do an excellent job. I was hearing lately some, some pastor was sharing, uh, a pastor was sharing Danielle about when the preaching is going on at their church, people are just talking and carrying on and going all over. But you do a good job listening quietly. You say, why do you listen quietly? Well, if we're going to listen, we've got to settle ourselves down. We've got to be quiet. We've got to try to remove distractions and really focus upon uh, what's being said. It says to be quick or swift to hear the word of God. Now, how often do we really listen uh, when it comes to anyone, for that matter? How often do we really listen? Uh, what are we normally doing when we're listening? Well, sometimes we're guilty of, as they're talking, we're formulating in our minds a response to what they're talking about. And we're not really listening. We're not really receiving. We're preparing to respond. And so sometimes listening can be one of the most difficult things uh, known to man. And I found through my years of ministry that people want you to listen to them. One of the things that they long for the most is just to be heard. As you're visiting with someone or talking with someone, it's amazing the impact you can have upon them if you just listen to them. I worked, as you know, in Christian radio, and when I was managing uh, the station out in the Knoxville area, I had to also manage uh, a lot of things that dealt with the tower, uh, the actual transmitter site and the tower and all the technical stuff that went on with that. And we had our own engineers that would come, and we also had contract engineers. And so uh, I remember the one contract engineer taking him out for supper, and he's going to help work one evening. And these guys just go on and on and on about all this stuff. I have no idea what they're talking about. Uh, but they just love to talk about it. It's their life. But you know what? They love to go out with me. They love it. Why? Because I just listen. I have no idea what they're talking about. You know, all this technical stuff. But just the fact that I listened to them made a tremendous impact upon them. So listening is one of the greatest gifts you can give to someone is to listen to them, to really hear them. But how much greater should we quiet ourselves and settle ourselves down when it comes to the very Word of God to really listen? And that's why we oftentimes call our time in the Word and prayer, we call it what? We call it a quiet time. 
Because we've taken the time to say, hey, this is important. I'm going to set aside everything else and spend some quiet time listening to God through His Word and talking to God through prayer. So first of all, very simple, very basic. We need to listen and receive the Word quietly. Secondly, we need to receive it thoughtfully. Thoughtfully. It says there be swift to hear. Hurry up and hear. But then notice the next two things. It says to be slow to speak. And slow to get angry. Now, how would this apply to the Bible? Well, beloved, if we're not careful, how many times we come to a verse of Scripture or a sermon or a Sunday school lesson and something is read or uh, proclaimed from the Word of God, and what do we do? We begin to respond inwardly. We begin to debate it. We begin to analyze it. We begin to give thought to, well, maybe that doesn't apply to me or that applied to them or that's not our culture. And we begin to even argue with the Word of God rather than allowing the Word of God to be proclaimed and to receive it quietly and then begin to think about what is really being said as the Word of God is being proclaimed and not be swift to speak and not be swift to get angry by the way, there are some things in the Bible, if you really take them, they can make you angry and make people angry. Uh, even the gospel itself is, is something that makes people angry when they hear that they have done wrong and they're a sinner. The good news has some bad news involved, but you have to come to the bad news to get to the good news, that God loves everybody and he's provided a way. And so we don't want to argue with God's word. Better to give thoughtful consideration and speak only after you've really given time to process and think through what is being said. Proverbs says a lot about that. And that's a good uh, idea for all of our relationships. Uh, Proverbs 17, 28 says, Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. <laughs> Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he's considered perceptive. Proverbs 17, 28. If you're not all that smart, just be quiet. People think you're smart. That's what it says. Don't open your mouth or remove the doubt. Proverbs 18, 13. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. How many relationship issues have you had in your life where someone responded before they really heard what you said? That happens once in a blue moon in your marriage relationship, doesn't it? It's probably happened, what, one time in our life, probably, in, in 20 years or so, time or two. Uh, but what happens is we don't take time to really hear, to really listen, to really be thoughtful. Instead, we're quick to respond and go to anger. So that's good advice for all of our listening, but also for the Word of God. And so we receive the Word of God quietly, be quick to listen, be swift to listen. How? Quietly, thoughtfully, and humbly. The scripture speaks about this particularly. If you'll notice there uh, in verse um, number 21, it says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. I think the old King James, I remember, had like super, can't remember, it's a big old word, superplicity of wickedness. Uh, it's the idea of overflowing with wickedness. What is it? Superfluity of naughtiness. Superfluity of naughtiness. All right, so if you're reading the King James, what's that mean? What's the idea of overflowing <laughs> with wickedness? Did you read King James today? I didn't know. She's doing that from memory. Y'all check her. Make sure she's quoting right. But the idea is this, and we're going to receive it humbly. And I think really this could come first, couldn't it? Because humility says, listen, this is important. I'm going to be quiet. Humility says, this is important. I better be thoughtful in how I respond to this. And if I should respond in an angry way. 
So humility plays a tremendous part. Receive with meekness, it says, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Part of humility would be willing to admit that there's sin in my life that would hinder the word of God. I love D.L. Moody, uh, the old evangelist. Um, D.L. Moody had written in the front of his Bible, he had these words, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. And there's so much truth in that. This book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. One author that I read likened the filthiness and the wickedness and the evil in our life. It becomes like earwax. That's a pleasant topic, I know. But, you know, earwax can get in your ears and even impact the way that you hear and the ability to hear. That's the way wickedness does in our lives. We don't deal with the sin in our life. It impacts the way that we're hearing and receiving the Word of God. And there's plenty of stuff in our world, beloved, that uh, would love to come along and to hinder us from hearing the Word of God. There are plenty of things to take the place of the Word of God. We have a multitude of things today to take up our time. But in this verse, it says, listen, lay aside wickedness, lay aside evil, lay aside all that thing, like you would a dirty garment the picture. Lay it aside and receive with meekness and humility the Word of God and how we fail at times. In that we forget, beloved, and, and, and it's so easy to do. If you've got your Bible today, and you ought to bring your Bible to church, we're going to use it every time we come. Just wait and bank on that. But if you've got your Bible, beloved, we're holding in our hands the very Word of God. These are God's words to us. Uh, this is the revelation of Himself. And it says that this Word there, it says in that verse uh, 21, it's able to save your souls. And that doesn't mean we work for our salvation through listening to the Bible. It means the Bible is what tells us, number one, we need to be saved, and number two, how to be saved. And it also teaches us that whole process of, you know, God is saving us from beginning to end. That we are going to be like Jesus. And that's revealed here in the Word of God. So, if you don't get anything else today, you can go out this week and say, what y'all talk about at church this week? What your preacher preach on, you can just say, we need to listen to the Word. Listen to the Word. Now, that's just the first part, but if you can't think of anything else, you've got an important truth there. But we're not only to listen to the Word of God as simple as that is, but we said what? When it comes to the Word of God, listen, but don't just listen. Listening is the beginning point. It's vital. It's crucial, but it's not the complete picture. Look at verse 22. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You know, sometimes we can deceive ourselves. You know why? Because we get the knowledge, and we think, well, I've got that down now, praise the Lord. But the reality is, we have the knowledge in our brain, but we've never acted it out in our life. It's kind of like someone who may be dealing with, uh, and sometimes we struggle with our weight, and so we know when it comes to our weight, the main thing is what? Proper diet and exercise. And what happens is we, we begin to read healthy cookbooks. And we begin to watch exercise DVDs on the, we lay on the couch, eat and watch the videos. <laughs> We get all this knowledge, you know. I mean, I need to, I need to eat more healthily, and I understand I need to work on my exercise. But if all we ever do is read healthy cookbooks and watch exercise DVDs while we lay on the couch, guess what? We're deceiving ourselves. And that's the picture here. If all you ever do is come to church and and fill your mind and your heart with truth, 
and you get it down and your doctrine's correct and what you're saying is correct and your understanding's wonderful, but if you never put it out in your life, if it never makes an impact in your life, you're deceiving yourself. He doesn't use the illustration of health. He uses the illustration of appearance. Did you notice that? He talks about a mirror. And he talks about a person looking in the mirror. Now, back then, they didn't have mirrors like we have. We have these wonderful mirrors now that are so clear and we can see. Back then, most of the mirrors were polished pieces of metal. If you ever looked at yourself at a piece of metal, you understand what we're talking about here. Let me read the next couple of verses. I'll read it in a different translation. because It's just good to compare. It helps to, to see. Listen to James 1, 23 through 25 in the NLT. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself... Walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Now, you get the picture here. You're looking in a mirror. Now, when you're looking in a mirror, beloved, what are you really doing? Well, you're looking in the mirror, and the picture is if you look in the mirror and you don't do anything, you walk away and you forget what you look like. What are you doing when you look in a mirror? You're making an assessment, are you not? You're making an assessment. How does my hair look? How is my makeup? Is there anything in my notes? <laughs> I got eye dirt or whatever. And so you're looking. Maybe, let's say you're looking in the mirror, you had a meal, you ate broccoli, and you're in the mirror going like this. To see, is there any broccoli stuck in my teeth? By the way, I just throw this in for free. You want to know where you are in a relationship with someone? You're dating someone? This is a good meter to tell you where you are. If, if, if you're in a relationship and maybe you start out and maybe your boyfriend or girlfriend notices you have broccoli in your teeth and they kind of say, by the way, you've got a little something that, and you're like, oh, oh, and you run off to the bathroom. Okay? Later on as you progress, they'll say, just be blunt. So you've got broccoli in your teeth and they start giving you directions at which way to go. You go two teeth over, no, up, no, down. You know you've really arrived and they say, hey, you've got broccoli in your teeth, let me help you get it out. Do you know that you've arrived, okay? That's for free. That's not Bible. That's not, you know, but that's just free wisdom, all right? You, you take and do what you want with that. But let's get back to the text. You look in a mirror, you see something's wrong. Uh, your hair's out of place, your mascara's running out, whatever, and you just look. You make the assessment, and you go away and do nothing about it. Uh, that's the picture here. That's foolish, is it not? You're making an assessment, and you want to correct whatever's wrong. And so that's the same picture of someone who hears the Word, and the Word is the perfect law of liberty. That's the thing about the Word. The, the mirror of the Word shows you the true picture warts and all. That's what, what a mirror does. Unless it's one of those weird mirrors that are fair... And I've even read about mirrors in certain dressing rooms at certain stores that they literally put mirrors up and make you look slimmer and better. I need to buy one for my house. But anyway, they do that. But a true mirror does what? It shows you the true picture. It shows you warts and all. And that's what the Bible says. The Bible does in our life too. When we come to the perfect law of liberty here, it says we look at it and it shows us who we are. But hey, here's the great news too. It also shows us who we are in Christ. Look at verse 25 there. It says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, 
This one will be blessed in, in what he does. The picture is this. You read or hear the word of God and then you continue it. That means you actually read it and you study it and then you do what it says. And the Bible's saying here, listen, if you'll do that, you'll be blessed. If you'll hear it, receive it, and you actually do what it teaches you to do, you will be blessed. That brings us to the last part of our sentence. When it comes to the Word of God, we need to listen. But don't just listen. Live it out in your life. We could have said obey it, but live it out in your life. This is where he gets specific. And he gives an example to hold on to. He mentions three things in particular that we learn from the Word of God and how it should impact our lives. When we come to the Scriptures, here's three things that it should do. It should impact how we speak, how we serve, and how we sparkle. Now, I know that sounds weird, but I'm going to show it to you in a moment. How we speak, how we serve, and how we sparkle. Now, I want to show this to you in the Scripture. Alright, so let's take them one by one. How we speak. Look at verse 26. If anyone among you, among you thinks he is religious, or she thinks she's religious, and does not, what? Bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless or worthless. In other words, you can seem to be religious. You can seem to be a Christian. You go to church. Uh, you pray over your meal at the restaurant. You give. You're faithful in Sunday school. You tithe. You can do all these things. But what he's saying this is this. The way you talk really tells who you are. You can do all that other stuff, but the way you speak shows who you really are. The old saying is this, right? What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. And a lot of times you really can see when uh, somebody gets in hot water. The illustration is the tea bag. You put a tea bag in hot water and what comes out? What's in the tea bag? You put somebody in hot water, they have issues and troubles, and what comes out of their mouth and in their life shows you where they really are. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. James will have more to say about tongue later on in the book. And we're going to study that, God willing. But to suffice it to say, here, to say uh, this here, if, faith, if the faith that you have doesn't impact your mouth, it's not worth much. It impacts the way we speak. In fact, it says your faith is useless. So it impacts how we speak. Secondly, how we serve. Look at verse 27, the first two parts of that verse. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. Now, visit there doesn't mean the idea of, of uh, just stopping by and waving at them. Visit here has the idea of looking in on them. It means caring for them. In that society, the widows and orphans were in dire straits. Ladies whose husband had uh, died, uh, children without parents, uh, with no government programs, no life insurance, uh, nothing along those lines, they were in desperate, needy straits. And so he says pure religion, real religion, really living like Christ is this, it's going to lead you to care for those who need caring for to care for those who need caring for. Now, in today's world, that might be orphans and it might be widows. We would even expand it to realize in our world, 
sad to say in our society, that would include people like the unborn. Because one of the most dangerous places for a child today is the mother's womb. As sad as that is to say. The unborn. The mentally handicapped. Uh, those who are disabled. Those who are in bondage to human trafficking. They're enslaved. Uh, the idea is the people who cannot help themselves. Real religion, pure religion, real Christianity gives you a burden for those people to help those people, the forgotten and vulnerable of society. And um, our study of the Word, our study of the Scripture, helps us to see how we need to take care of these types of people and care for them. And I know, beloved, we, you say, well, I can't help everybody. Yes, but who has God brought into your life that you can help? Who has God placed in your path that he wants you to assist? Imagine if every believer did this with the impact. We've seen it throughout our histories. Who are the ones that built the hospitals and orphanages and all that? It was those who loved the Lord and loved the Word and wanted to live out their faith. And so what is God calling you to do when it comes to the vulnerable of our society? So how we speak, how we serve, and then the weird-sounding one. Because I don't want me to talk about this either. How we sparkle. How we sparkle. And I thought, maybe I need to reword that. But really, no, I, I read it and I said, that, that hits the nail on the head right there. Look at verse 27 again. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to visit, uh, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, now watch the next part, and to keep oneself, what's the word, unspotted from the world. Sparkling. Sparkling. Shining. To be unspotted from the world, that is the world system, the evil world philosophies. To be unspotted means to be clean and shining and pure and right. And when we read the word and we receive the word and we're quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger and we really receive the word and study it and see what it says and live it out in our life, it's going to help us to shine brightly for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to help us to sparkle in this dark world. My stepfather was retired from the Army for 20 years, and I found that with that many an Army person, you can get the man out of the Army, but you'll never get the Army out of the man. Uh, if you have someone in your family, you might understand that. And I remember something he taught me long ago as he was teaching me things and uh, would have me clean and do different things. I remember he's retired Army 20 years. And uh, I remember something he taught me. In fact, I used it this past week. And that is, uh, you can clean up the faucet, let's say, in your bathroom, and you have the faucet clean, but you ever notice you can clean it, you put all the cleaner, and you look back at the faucet, and you realize there are all these little spots, these little water spots on it. And I remember years ago him telling me, uh, from his experience in the military, he said, you'll just take some tissue, and you just shine that faucet. Remove those spots. It's shining and brilliant and unspotted. And I did that this past week, and I thought about it in regards to this, beloved. That's the picture of what God wants in our lives. He wants us to shine for Jesus Christ. The Bible says what? Let your light so shine before men, they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. See, we shine not for our glory, we shine for His glory. But here's the picture. If you say I'm religious and I love Jesus, and yet you speak in a wrong way, and you don't care about other people, and you don't care about purity in your life, your faith is worthless. It's worthless in the sight of those who are watching you especially. As we say that we love Jesus, and we love others, and yet our life does not reflect the same. Beloved, now listen, we don't do all these things in our own strength. 
The arm of flesh will fail us. We don't speak in our own strength. We don't serve in our own strength. And we don't shine and sparkle in our own power. Here's what happens. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and works to make us like the Son of God. That's what's going on right there. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and works to make us like the Son of God. And I can't emphasize to you enough how important it is that you're filling your life with the Word of God. And did you notice all three examples here that we looked at uh, are, are, are shining forth in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ? The way that He spoke and the way that He served and the way that He shined brightly for the Father. You see, beloved, the Bible is given not just for our information. The Bible is given for our transformation. But in order for that to take place, it has to be listened to. So we have to quiet ourselves. We have to give thoughtful reflection to it. We have to display humility and meekness before it. And then we have to move from just hearing it to actually listening where we move to obedience. And we begin to live it out in our lives. And if we'll do that, beloved, the Bible says we'll be blessed. We'll speak, we'll serve, and we'll shine like the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 22 could really be the whole theme of the book of James. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We're done, but one more question. Uh, All we just said, here's the question. What will you do with what you've heard today? Because the Bible just said what? Don't just listen to the word. Do what it says. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and glory. Thank you for the word. It's quick and powerful and living and sharper than any two-edged sword. May it pierce through our hearts today and show us whatever it is you want us to see. And Lord, may we receive your word today. May we obey and act upon it and live it out in our lives. If someone today does not know Christ, would you bring them today in repentance and faith that they might have eternal life as they receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. We love you and praise you and thank you for this practical truth in your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is open today. 338 is our closing hymn. I thought it would be an appropriate one if we're talking about the word. How firm a foundation. You saints to the Lord. The altar is open if you want to come and pray today. If you need to be saved today, I'd love to talk with you about that. If you just want to come and pray about something God's spoken to your heart today, respond. And be obedient. 338, closing hymn, how firm a foundation must stand up, sing, and the altar's open. Mm-hmm.